Hey guys, it's Christy. Today on Transition Talk, we have another episode of What Happens Next. This time, we're talking with Dr. Brock Pumphrey, a perio in Atlanta, Georgia. He is a driver who we helped around two years ago diligence a few opportunities. It was a very competitive market, but he found one. And he also found that the road to ownership kind of can be a bit bumpy, but his perseverance and commitment paid off. And today he has a thriving practice, runs several study clubs, and is just maybe one of my favorite clients. So hope you enjoy this installment of What Happens Next with Dr. Brock Pumphrey. Hey, Brock. How are you doing? Hey, Christy. Doing well, thank you. Good. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. I know life is busy, uh, kids and puppies and office and life, and so I appreciate you taking the time to catch up with me. Anytime. I always have, I always have time for you guys. You guys always have time for me, so it works out quite well. Wonderful. I think we were just talking about this. It's been about almost two years, uh, one and a half-ish years since you closed. Is that right? That's right. That's right. It's been, uh, been amazing. Uh, two years has gone by very fast. It's been a growing experience, but two years has gone by very quickly, so I think that's a good thing. Okay, so one of the things that I want to focus on and the point of our discussion and kind of these episodes that we're doing is really figuring out, like, you know, we talk so much before you close, and then after we close, I never talk to you again, and it's sad. But then there's all of this stuff that happens and all of kind of the fears and expectations and, like, anything that kind of you were hoping or worried about before you closed, you kind of see the results, in the, especially in that first 18 months. And so what has been the biggest surprise since you closed or maybe in a good or bad way, right? Just kind of what has been the thing that has surprised you most about practice ownership? I think the thing that surprised me most was, well, it's it's a couple different things. I think the first thing that surprised me was when you kind of take ownership of a practice and you have a specific goal and you're driven, I think the surprising thing is how fast you can actually grow. You know, for me, the growth, just the things that you can get out there and do. And I think, you know, growth obviously comes with added benefits, like, you know, a little bit more money in your pocket, which I think is nice. You know, just the things that you can get out there and do. Dentistry, it's just like a a, a ticking time bomb. And, you know, there's so much you can get out there and do and do with dentistry and and be a private owner and really expand your wings. So I think it's really just everything you can do in dentistry and, and the growth. So your selling doctor did not work back for you extensively, right? So referral-based business, you know, you already had some connections in, in the area clearly and kind of had a good, a good solid base and were from the area. Your seller didn't play a huge role as far as, you know, didn't work for you but for years, um, like some kind of referral-based businesses do. And your staff, clearly, a lot of people are worried about that staff transition because a lot of patients are connected to that staff. And so people are worried about the loss of patients, either from the seller not working back or the staff not being committed. What has been your experience, kind of unique experience there as far as those relationships and kind of patient attrition? Well, I think, you know, for me, I came in and I didn't make any real major changes with the staff until, you know, at least a year in. For me, the staff bought in immediately to what I was trying to do. I think from their aspect of going from basically an insurance-based practice and me working with the staff on educating them about, you know, the benefits of customer service, the benefits of seeing patients that want to be there. This helped my transition, especially when I, for a fee-for-service practice like I was transitioning my practice into. The hardest thing for them, I think, was just kind of getting into the system of, you know, not treating, you know, patients like cattle, you know, 
these patients mean something when they first walk into your office. From when they walk in the office to when they go back to the clinical setting and when they when they leave the office, all that stuff plays a factor. So for me, I had very little staff turnover as far as, as they go. Now, from a patient standpoint, you know, I was able to retain a lot of these patients, maybe a good majority of those patients, but I did lose some patients that really didn't see a benefit in coming to a fee-for-service practice. Mm-hmm. Um, those patients, unfortunately, I did lose a little bit. They were basically just hygiene patients at that point. So that's really the only patient attrition that I saw. And so I'm assuming that you also kind of, and you spoke on this a bit earlier, but you had a plan for developing and getting out there and networking and kind of building that practice, knowing you would lose some of those patients. I mean, I think we had talked even during the time you knew you would lose some, and I'm assuming that your gains have been, you know, equivalent, if not more than what you lost. That's correct. So, you know, my motto is I always want to be the hardest worker of the day. So, and the day includes the night. You know, if I have free time or if I had free time, you know, I don't have too much free time now, but (laughs) when I had the free time, if I wasn't seeing patients, I was constantly out pounding the pavement. As a specialty practice and a specialist, you not only have to build relationships with your referring doctors or a potential referring doctors, but you have to build relationships with that staff as well. So for me, it's getting out, making sure that, you know, that office knew if they needed anything from my office at that point or in the future. They had me, they knew, they knew the face, they knew the name. And, you know, I lead about four study clubs. Two of them I already have running. And then two I added. So I added study clubs at night to bring in some dentists that I thought could really benefit not only from continuing education, which is always good, but, right. you know, just having a good relationship with a periodontist uh, yeah. that can enhance the practice. I think Dr. Schuster already had a, a good lecture study club, and I added about 30 to 40 members on that study club. I did breakfasts, did some lunches, you know, and I continue to do that today. That never stops. So that's how I was kind of able to kind of build my practice. And yes, I'm a young clinicianer, so the sky's the limit. But, you know, I think that's a big benefit is, you know, learning and learning with these general dentists together. Uh, And as we grow, we'll obviously do more cases and do more work. I'm tired just hearing you talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of of work. I got one tonight. Super exciting. A lot of work, but a good benefit. So another thing that we have a lot of buyers who they're buying older practices or they're buying practices that maybe don't have all the bells and whistles that maybe they want or they expected to have. Talk to me about technology. What kind of did you walk into and what changes have you maybe made since purchasing the practice, you know, a little under two years? So I walked into a practice that still had paper charts, which I haven't never seen anywhere that I've worked, not even at dental school. So for that, for me, it was a bit of a change. However, you know, Dr. Schuster's practice, he had all the basic things that needed to be successful. I think people get wrapped up in, oh, they have paper charts, or they have x-rays that aren't digital, or they have an old CBCT machine, or they have older chairs. All that stuff doesn't really matter. Yes, it matters somewhat down the road. Yes, you should upgrade your computer system. Yes, you know, get out of the paper charts. But I think for me, people get wrapped up in the technology and what they actually need to be successful. You don't need to have uh, the newest CBCT. You don't need to have the newest chairs. So I did it incrementally. The first thing I think I, I did was, obviously, Dr. Schuster had a CBCT scan machine. He, I was lucky enough, he did have visual x-rays. 
you know, I think from a technology standpoint, I had to kind of upgrade the, the server and upgrade mm-hmm. the uh, office to go paperless, which I think was actually the easiest thing for us to do first, was make sure that we had good security on the website, to right. make sure that computers were running properly. Those types of things, you do need to be successful to make sure that when you come in in the morning, the computers will turn on and everything will work. <laughs> yeah. And that takes a while. So, you know, for me, it was really just first getting the computer system up to date. And then from there, you can kind of work your way through it, you know, making sure all the computers have rooms. You know, and I still have older chairs. I've recovered them, you know, and I just did that. And that's two years in. I still have the same CBCT scan machine. Um, You know, know, just small things that I think I need to be successful and just make my office run the way it needs to. So during the middle of the day, I don't have to worry about if the computer breaks, what are we going to do? So just basic stuff to make you successful and get your feet on the ground is what I would suggest for any newer dentist that's coming into an older practice. Versus a complete overhaul that just adds additional cash flow issues and potential stress to staff and, and yourself. That's correct. Do things incrementally. You don't have to do everything at once. You know, do what you need to do to make money. Yeah. Uh, and then everything else kind of falls into place. So, you know, we always like to look at like both sides of the coin. What is one thing that you wish you would have done differently in your kind of transition process, whether that's searching for a practice, the actual diligence, just kind of up until you closed, if you kind of look back, one thing maybe you might have done differently or taken a different approach on? You know, I think I would have done a better job when I started to add some people to the staff. Mm -hmm. I think for me, adding new staff to transition in with the old staff is very difficult. And I wish I would have done a better job of screening some of these people coming into the office. You know, when I tried to add new people, it just wouldn't, wouldn't work with the older staff. I wish I would have consulted more people prior to hiring some people to transition, to help me transition into the practice. I think that's probably been the hardest thing for me to do It's just find the right people. And, mm-hmm. you know, it took me about a year before I was able to find staff to kind of, that, that saw my same vision that could help me transition and push harder, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's where being a clinician and you can go in and do the dentistry, right? But this whole other business side of being kind of the boss and the leader and having to deal with kind of all of those management and staffing and people issues, humans are hard. <laughs> um, and so figuring out kind of what makes each person tick and how to add the right person to the mix to kind of keep that same chemistry going, I think is by far one of the most challenging things. And that's what we've heard. We've heard that from others as well. So what about the flip side? What was the best thing about the journey to ownership? Kind of what would you consider kind of the best thing you did? The best, uh, you know, kind of, hey, I, I made this decision or you know, just simply finding the practice or owning or whatever. What do you think is your best piece? Well, I think for me, it's two things. One, I went to a fee-for-service practice. You know, I came in there and I basically took the head off the snake immediately. And, you know, obviously, yes, we filed the insurance for you, but I'm not going to subsidize what I do for a lower fee when I, when not a lot of people can do the same things that I do. So I think doing that right off the bat, not messing with that anymore, and not having to pay, you know, three people to file insurance claims and do all that, help my practice grow and narrow our focus, which I think was a big benefactor for me. The second thing I think that I've done most recently is I've actually kind of 
taken some less of a load off me by finally hiring a, a good office manager to help me with the ins and outs of dealing with staff. That pressure load off me has been tremendous. Oh, wow, yeah. Bringing him in to handle a lot of this day-to-day operations for me that I just, number one, I don't have time to deal with, and number two, I don't have the patience, has helped me just kind of deal with just people's mouths, just being in people's mouths, but that, I think is what I do best. So yeah. that's kind of helped me focus in on what I, what I need to do. That, and I've brought in kind of a public relations director, a marketing director for me, that can help me because I don't have time anymore to go as much, do breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and organize all these study clubs. It's a lot of study clubs that I run. I mean, it's almost every week, maybe sometimes twice a week, so Mm -hmm. at least. So she's helped me kind of organize that and take some of the pressure off and make sure everybody's coming, making sure the foods are taken care of, just those things, those small things that don't sound like a lot, but, you know, when you're running – Oh, yeah. full-time practice and there five days a week it can be a lot of load on you so, yeah um, all that stuff has helped tremendously yeah you do what you do best and then find help in the other areas right that's right would you like to share kind of how any kind of improvements in the practice since you got it you know kind of we were here new patient flow and now we're here or you know 10 percent growth 15 you know whatever the numbers are from when you purchased it to kind of where you stand today yeah, so, you know, not being too specific, you know, the practice since I've been there, well, I've been there about a year and a half, two years, and, you know, I bought the practice in September, so January was kind of our first kind of financial year, mm-hmm. uh, you know, starting off and coming in, so, you know, I've been able to basically grow that practice by twice as large, you know, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the numbers are really good. The first year, you know, I was very, very happy with what we did, but I think, Obviously, there's still room for growth, and, uh, you know, I feel like if that's our first year, well, we should be able to grow that by 20%. So You I sound think, like you Charles know, Loretto. Hope... <laughs> 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 you know, great minds think alike. We get along really well. So, <laughs> that's so you know, I've been happy with fantastic. that. And, you know, but you got to keep pushing and striving yeah. and doing better things. You know, that's not good enough, you know. Yep. You know, a stagnant business is, is, is not a growing business. So, yep. Awesome. I'm super proud and so happy that you're happy. That's honestly the reason why we do what we do here. So I'll wrap up on this last question. So what is the biggest piece of advice you would give someone who is thinking about ownership or maybe just needs that push to kind of push them in that direction? What is your kind of parting advice to those people? Well, you know, I'd say to those people, you know, a lot of people, especially in my generation, they have a lot of fear about taking it to the next level. And, you know, that fear is, it's real. I mean, I get it. You know, we come out of school, we have a lot of debt, we have a lot of things we have to pay off, we're unsure, can this still work? You know, we have corporate dentistry breathing down our neck everywhere you look. But what I tell those people is, this can be your business. You know, this is yours. This is yours to hold. This is something that you can hold, you can mold it, you can do whatever you want to do with this business. As long as you have a vision and a drive, and you have people that back you up. You know, I have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, good support. I have you guys. I have, you know, my wife. Um, I have good staff. You know, I have a practice owner that will do, or an ex-practice owner that would do anything for me uh, because, you know, he sees the future. I'd say just jump in. So I wanted something that was my own. I wanted to have my own path. I wanted to make my own decisions. 
the financial benefit is one thing, okay, but mm-hmm. that's not everything. If you want something that's yours, you want to make a path in ministry, you want to do, you want to do everything that you want to do, you want to make it your own, you want to leave a legacy, I'd say practice ownership is, is really the way to go. Awesome. You're the best. Thanks so much for talking with us today. I appreciate it. Pleasure to uh, help you get to ownership and to see you so successful. And so I appreciate your time today. I know it's sparse. No, no problem, Christy. Anytime.